Hey, welcome to Brother to Brother. I'm Clay Stevenson. I'm Brian Stevenson. Forgot my name for a second. And we're here for the third week in a row. Yeah. So stepping it up. We don't have anything else going on in our lives. And we're recording video. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So we see you sitting in an empty room. This is my office. <laughs> it looks like an empty room. Oh, okay, I see. This is my office, and this is my 55-inch TV so I can watch March Madness. Nice. I was making fun of how it's on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to spring for a stand. I'm in my little uh, closet office studio here. And you've got the soundboard uh, stuff behind you. So you can a yell, little, a little carry bit. on. Yeah. A little bit of sound absorption, but it doesn't do too much. How is that like a closet? Your room looks tiny. Yeah, it's like a, a large closet yeah. that I sequestered myself in over the over the course of the pandemic. Do you so do you work from there when you're working from home? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh, it's no. nice. Does it have a window? Yeah, it has a window. Does age yeah, ever a, age ever let you out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It has a lock on the outside of the door. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's about to say. That would come in handy. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. So you're doing some video. What's the plan with the video? You're going to put something and up on. I want somebody to do something crazy so we can go viral. Yeah. Hopefully we stay something funny and I could just clip a little 45 seconds of that and put it up there. Cool. I can't handle like if a YouTube video is more than three or four minutes, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to invest <laughs> in the time. Unless it's an education, that. unless it's an educational video where you're, you're trying to learn something. Yeah. But even then I'm like click, click through it. I watch it fast. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Exactly. I speed it up. Yeah. I speed. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I'll speed it up and put subtitles on. Yes. So I hopefully like, I'll just get that information really quickly. <laughs> That's true. But and entertainment I wise, I, I don't mind watching something longer. That's true. If it's entertaining, right? Yeah, that's true. But the blog type things and the, um, like the educational things are teaching you how to do something. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Get to the meat. So you had some stuff on your mind for today. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about, uh, how so it's like a step to a joke. I was thinking the other day <laughs> about how, um, you know, do you, I, I don't know if you like to spend money or not, but people get a thrill out of spending money sometimes. Whereas for me, especially if it's a big type of a purchase, it's, I don't like it. I don't like to spend money. I'd rather save it and hold it. Right. It's almost like, uh, it, I don't, it just feels bad. I'm like doing it. And so then it's ramped up even more if you're doing something like buying a car or a house. You're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands. And you could, after you do it, this is what started me thinking along these lines. You think, man, should I have done that? That was a lot of money, right? So then I started thinking about that feeling of regretting a decision. And particularly if you look back and do realize that the decision you made was bad. Uh, I hate that feeling. I just hate it. And I never <laughs> knew, I never knew that I hated it until recently. Like I was able to identify it. 
But Leanne and I will be talking and we'll talk about something in our past. And uh, a lot of times, something decisions that we've made, a lot of times we might have to do with the kids. And there's things that she would wish, she wished that we had done differently and uh, bringing them up. And now they're 20, 20, however old. <laughs> <laughs> 20, uh, let's see, 23, 19, and 17. And man, a lot of the die is cast and they're, they are who they are. And so she would bring up these things to me and it would make me so angry and we'd just get in fights about it. Right. So, because I want to say, okay, so you're bringing up that we should have gotten them to be, uh, to do more chores and to learn how to, to cook or, you know, whatever it is, we should have been, helped them to be more disciplined. Right. But what do you want to do about it now? Yeah. Why, why are we even talking about it? And I just get angry. Right. So now I realize that what it is, is, is that any type of feeling of regret, I feel powerless to do anything about it. And it's a horrible feeling. And you know, I don't, I don't want to deal with so, it. So there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, you, you're, you talked about not wanting to spend a lot of, or not enjoying spending a lot of money. Do mm-hmm. you think that when people spend money, they enjoy the act of spending the money or is it just getting the things? It's just about acquiring a material possession that's going to be fun and interesting for them. It's going to give them some yeah. dopamine, yeah, right? I don't know if it's the actual spending of the money, it's, right? It's, it's the that thing. they don't even think about the money. They're thinking about what they're getting for it. So their focus right. is on, you're right, the, the activity or the thing that they're getting. And so the, however they're spending the money, if they're having to put it on a credit card, it's like that's inconsequential. They're not even thinking about that. And I tend to be more the other way where I'm focused on, oh my gosh, how much this is costing me and not thinking about the benefit that I'm going to get out of it. Well, don't you think most people are probably in between? They are conscious of the fact that money is a limited resource for, for most of them, but they're weighing the pros and cons of spending that money um, versus the enjoyment they're going to get. Most from, people, from using that money, yeah. I think it's probably right. in America skewed toward the spending side, though. But why, why do you say that? Just, just the, you know, and it's talked about in pop culture the um, extravagant kind of spending lifestyle, the American need just to have stuff and to have more than the other person. To have the latest, greatest thing. And so this co- we're willing to go into debt for it. So it's like this culture of materialism. Yeah. And there is um, modern economic theory that is based on debt. So we have kind of embraced as a society, as a culture, and as a government, the, the idea that we can survive on owing owing a lot of money and that's okay. And we yep. see that modeled, you know, yep. by, by our government as well. Yep. Yeah. But okay. So let's play that out though. Um, and let's talk about the person that spends a lot of money, maybe spends money they don't have. So that's what really what you're talking about. Yeah. But it, but it sounds like there's the other, the other side of that is people who spend money they do have. Right. So right. I assume you aren't spending money you don't have. Right. But you're still not enjoying it. Right. So <laughs> exactly. So to me, that's a, t- a completely different issue. 
That's right. a different type of psychosis. Yeah. And, and when you're talking about uh, regrets, it's not just spending money. It's, it's the relationship decisions. It's career choices. It's, I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. I, I got hung up on the money thing. Cause as I think about it, I I'm of kind of two minds about it. I think it's great to be wise with your money, but I think you need to enjoy life. And there, I think there's a balance there. Everyone would agree that you need to find. And I have, I believe I have seen people with a lot of money who do not enjoy life as much as they would, if they would be a little more flexible with their money. And then I have seen people who really, really enjoy life and have no money and they continue to spend. And if they died tomorrow, owing hundreds of thousand dollars in debt, they would die. They'd be happy. (laughs) So, so I think there's definitely this, this balancing act and this kind of walking a tightrope between the two. Yeah. And um, we all, I think, everyone struggles with it in right. in this society. And I, I like the tension, honestly, because it is a limited resource. I think that when you get to that point where you are so extremely wealthy, that money is no longer a barrier for anything. I think some of the joy of life that, that like us in the middle class or upper middle class, we have, we, or even the poor, right. We have this right. joy by working toward these things that are hard to get to um, and using, you know, money ultimately as the go-between. Right. Do you, is, is it springtime there pretty much? Is it warming up? Yeah. Yeah. So it, probably maybe two weeks ago, it got pretty cold and I was in, in this room, the office, and this room is usually a little bit warmer because of the computers, but Liam was sitting next to me on the computer and she's hunched over and she's got a hoodie on and a scarf on and she's typing and I'm like, are you, are you cold? You're like, yeah, it's freezing in here. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, well, let's just turn the heat up. She's like, oh, we're saving money. We're saving money. <laughs> and we're, and we're miserable because it's freezing in the house. Maybe it would be worth a couple of dollars for a day and a half to have like, you know, have it over 60 degrees in the house. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but see, here's, here's the other side of that too. Right. I think that this, this is so individual that her joy may actually come from being physically miserable, but knowing that she's saving a few bucks. So it's almost like a, a fun hobby to save the money. Right. right. That's actually a, right. a fun thing that you do. I mean, she so, does enjoy misery because she married me. So it's <laughs> obviously it might be a little bit of masochism there. Yeah. I, I, I it's de- definitely such an individual thing. I mean, I've over the years I have come hopefully just in life, uh, to the place where I judge less, I just judge right. people less. Right. And, and some people spend a lot of money and they enjoy life. Um, and I think partly when dad died, it just made mortality so much more real. And I thought to right. myself, what if he would have used his money to enjoy life a little more before he died yeah. and had the chance to do some of the things that he never had a chance to do? I mean, you know, you die and it's not like you're regretting after you die because you're dead. So and, and he enjoyed life. <laughs> he enjoyed life. Right. Yeah. So, but it, 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 I do think about that sometimes when I'm, you know, faced with the decision, do I spend some money and do something that I'm going to enjoy with some people that I love or, you know, acquire something that's going to enhance quality of life substantially. I'm more apt to pull the trigger now than I was before, just with the reality of mortality more present in my mind. Right. So if you stop and think, 
can you think of something, not that you have to share it, but can you think back of your life and think of like one huge decision that you regret? Oh yeah. A lot of them. A lot. Well, well, yeah, because not that you feel regret for them all the time, but. Well, so I have consistently to your point, even though I, I feel fairly free to spend money on things that I enjoy, I have buyer's remorse anytime I spend a (laughs) substantial amount of money. So I would say every house that I've purchased, I've felt regret after the fact, (laughs) Um, more so on some than others. But we bought a house in California, a condo. Um, It was a three bedroom condo. And we had had to come out of pocket with a substantial amount of money over the loan amount because the bank wasn't loaning us the amount for the condo. Right. Um, and it was in 2008 when the market was really crashing. Right. And so things were just so in flux at the moment, but we really wanted this place. And then we bought it. And then a year later, it was worth a quarter, almost a quarter less than it was Ooh. when we bought it. Yeah. And so like from the, the point that we actually spent the money all the way until when we actually sold that place, I felt that, you know. And the thing about regret is is that it's, it's something that's been done in the past that you can't change. Yeah. That's what makes it so powerful and so negative is that the helplessness associated with the fact that you've already made this decision. Yeah. And I can't do anything about it now. And so it's like, I I feel like there is some use for it, right? There's people would say there's no positive and negative emotions or good and bad emotions, right? That emotions are there. They're signals to us to teach us something or to tell us something. So now, now that I can recognize that regret is something that I don't like and I tend to just shove it aside or just get angry. Instead, I'm trying to say, okay, what is this emotion teaching me? What do I need to do? There is something we can do. We can learn from it. We can grow from it. And maybe just by at least taking a minute to recognize it and what was the, what led up to that decision that I now regret, I can learn from it and then move past it. Yeah. And, and I think it's safe to assume that you don't think that you should be dwelling on it, right? Right. It shouldn't be something that brings you down and, and makes your life miserable to live. But at the same time, right, you, you shouldn't 100% shove it aside as soon as it pops into your head because there is a learning opportunity. And then the other thing that I like to consider, and this is from Rob Bell, he talks about this a lot about how, these experiences are what it means to be human. Yes. And so whenever you consider these negative things that happen, these negative emotions, and instead of trying to be control in control of the situation, you allow it to be in your life and you just appreciate it for what it is. You, you appreciate it for being part of this human experience, right. even if it's a negative or a bad kind of feeling or thing. Right. Um, and I, when I when I am able to kind of twist my mind in that direction, it really helps me deal with with things. And I I did a podcast uh, of Mice and Moments about um, stage fright. Yes. And it was like that same kind of concept where, you know, I get really overwhelmed. I'm getting ready to go up in front of people and I'm going to present something, perform. And depending on the situation, I could be really nervous and have this horrible like anticipation and the stage fright. Right. But when I just accept it and surrender to it as, Hey, this is, this is what it means to be a human. This is what this experience is all about. Right. I got to have these bad moments to kind of round out this experience. It's like, Oh, now it's a kind of profound, you know? Right. 
Yeah, it like connects you with yeah. with life and with your humanity. Exactly. And, and I think you can turn a lot of the what we call negative emotions into gratitude and thankfulness, whether it's just for being alive or if it's, if it's a something you've lost, like a, a relative or a loved one or something like that. You can turn it to gratitude into the time that you did have and the experiences you did have with it. Yeah. So all this is a similar trick, a little bit different. And then uh, kind of refocus your mind on the positive. Yeah. You reminded me of, I don't know if you've ever heard of Jocko Willenick's good rant. Uh-uh. He has this rant that he goes on and you can search online and find it where he tells a story about, and I'm not, I'm going to ruin the story, but I'll just give you a synopsis about how when he was in the military, his subordinate would come to him and say, Hey, we have all these problems. We have all these problems. And he would always respond with the, with good, good. Mm-hmm. We have these problems. I've heard it. it yeah. And, and so then the subordinate says, like, why do you always say good? And he says, I say good because it's a chance to overcome, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. so the way he spins it yeah. is that, oh, hey, this gives me an obstacle to wrestle with and, yes. and, and try to confront and bet, better kind of like learn from and better myself. And, right. you know, almost like this competitive thing where, hey, now I've got something to work toward. So right. that's good, you know? Oh. So this ties into something else that's interesting. So last week, like we talked about our kids and given how we need to toughen them up, but give them a challenge, right? So, so give them something that they have to overcome instead of just handing them everything, give them some experiences. So it kind of ties into that, right? And then you mentioned, uh, you mentioned earlier billionaires where it's like, they just have everything. And so then what is the, almost what's the point? What's their purpose if, if they don't have to struggle to survive and so I think they, it, it, you could have a tendency and we could all have it in the middle class to lose the purpose that we have in life because we're not struggling to feed ourselves and to clothe ourselves. And there's actually a theory now that economists are coming up with, they're, they're calling it the useless class. So it's a class of people that basically got modernized out of the workforce and don't really have a skill set that's as useful today as it might've been decades ago, or even things move so quickly. And so how do we um, help support people who are in this position? I feel that way sometimes myself. I can look back over my day and say, what useful thing did I accomplish during the day? Yeah, I spent a couple hours playing a video game and watching Netflix and, and then did some stuff at work. And it's like, what did I do? I know. So we need to have, we need to set up, set our lives up in such a way that we have challenges that we can overcome and accomplish <clears throat> Just like you just said, like Jocko was saying. Yeah, I, I, um, I think the opportunities for us to do something productive are more in that because we have families mm-hmm. than, than maybe someone who doesn't have a family. Because oftentimes I look at my day and I think, hey, I poured into my kids. I poured into these, these you know, two people who are going to continue on in life. And then I think about my my friends and colleagues, coworkers, and, and things like that who don't have kids. You know, I I wonder, and oftentimes they're more invested into what's happening at the workplace than I am. Yes. Yep. Because they don't have the distraction of, of the family in the same way I do. But I would contend that it's more important to have, you know, those other people to pour into rather than to focus all that energy on the workplace. Um, not that the workplace isn't important, but to your point. I, I don't see it the lasting importance there right. in the in the same way I do like 
pouring into to people personally and yes. and family personally, you know. It seems like the things that we do that impact other people directly are the things that are have the most meaning. Yes. So like at my job, I'm I'm doing programming and database work, and it is through a five-step chain helping people, but it's not direct. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah, I think we have too. And and I have the fortune of being personally connected with students on a college campus who are in this pivotal point in life. So I have, I, I feel like a lot of meaningful conversations and interactions over the course of a semester with a number of different students. And then I have kind of the reward of them reaching back out on occasion after they've graduated and just saying, thank you for caring about my life. And, and that's something that I, I feel good about just in general. It, yeah. I do care personally for them. I want them to be successful. I want them to do well. It, it, it's, there's a, a pros and cons to that too, because I get, you know, fairly invested and I'm willing to, you know, help them out and, and, you know, maybe spend, time outside of the work day, helping them out. So, you know, maybe some of the lines are blurred between the workplace and home. And those are things I have to balance because of that, right. but it is a rewarding, there are rewarding elements to it. Um, are, are your students, are they considered Gen Z now? Cause the millennials are like in their twenties. So maybe, yeah. When's Gen Z start? Cause I think my students now were born the youngest, maybe 2000, what, two, 2001. Yeah. yeah. That's right at the cutoff. So do they have a hard time with dealing with challenges? Because that's oh, kind yeah. of a, they do. Oh, big, big time, <laughs> big time, yeah. Um, I, I would say, I, I, so I've been teaching college. You're dealing students. with wealthy kids too, a lot of them at least. So yeah. That plays into it as well. So, yeah, so I've been teaching college-age students for, for 10 years. And I think that over that, the course of the, that decade, it feels to me as if the students take less responsibility yeah. for their actions. They are less disciplined to complete tasks on time. But I do find that generally they are very empathetic mm -hmm. and caring and considerate when you interact with them personally. Right. So, so for example, today it I doesn't mean they're they're not bad people. They're probably this, a lot of metrics. They're better people this epitomizes but. this generation today i had advising meetings for like 10 students three of them did not meet their appointment did not come didn't even come didn't even come which is extremely disrespectful right this is time that i've set aside that i'm waiting for them you know for the entire duration hoping that they'll come in and we can get this thing done right. but when i follow up with them they apologize profusely so and i believe they mean it Right. So, so it's like there's a, a lack with this discipline and responsibility, but there is genuine care and concern. So it's right. like it, it, it's, it makes it tough for me because I feel like I need to be tough on them. Yeah. And because you got to go jock along. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want them. I don't want other people that they interact with later in life to, to have a bad impression of them because they're not meeting their commitments and things like that, that's not going to yeah. help them be successful. Um, right. At the same time, I genuinely believe they're sorry and that they're going to maybe take my criticisms personally and be hurt and offended. But, you know, that's kind of the way it works. So anyway, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Are your kids like that? Uh, 
I don't, I don't know. I, I think they've, I think they're pretty, pretty good balance. I would say that in general, my kids um, are not disciplined. <laughs> right. I, I think they very much fit that that same kind of thing that igen mm. you know category of of characteristics yeah and the, every kid is different so like that davin the youngest he's super disciplined in pretty much everything oh, right. That's a good point yeah but uh they all i don't picture them in that kind of in that I don't know what the right word is for it, but that stereotypical iGen kind of uh, millennial, and I really think it's after the millennials. Right. But yeah, just not being able to handle challenges very well and, and kind of struggling when obstacles show up in front of them. Right. And, and, and we, I see it at work occasionally. There's some younger folks that come in and they hit an obstacle and instead of figuring out how to solve it, they kind of just stop. And then, and, yes. then, and then you come back the next day and it's like, oh yeah, well, I couldn't, I had this issue. And it's like, well, yeah, that it, that is an issue. What'd you do to solve it? Yes. So you, you did mention that. I didn't even comment on that, but that is, that's something that I've seen with the college age, you know, uh, 18 to 22 year olds, ever since I started working with college age students, they, they just struggle with, you know, not wanting to make a wrong move. And so yes. therefore they run into an obstacle and they freeze up. And then sometimes they're too intimidated to even ask and they don't want to look stupid. They don't want to look dumb by asking a question. So then just nothing happens. Yes. So over the years, I've just constantly tried to encourage them. Just take a stab at it. You know, something that will help you be very employable is to be a problem solver, to to figure out. And and I said, just do a Google search. (laughs) Why do I like you're asking me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to look on Google, too. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I might know the answer, but so I don't oftentimes. And so I'm just going to search. And then sometimes it's just knowing how to search even, you know, that they're they're even stuck there. Right. But um, that is super frustrating to me. And I feel like that maybe is an age and maturity thing rather than a generational thing. And it's a personality thing. And there's probably a little bit of a gender gap there, too where in general, guys are more willing just to go try something and girls want to be certain before they try it, women, men and women. And, yeah. and I think that shows up in programming, in computer programming, I don't know if in your tech music field, it's the same, but when you're writing a program, it's not gonna work the first time you run it or the second or the third time. It's an iterative process. Yeah. So you write the code out and you run it and you see you might get syntax errors first. It doesn't even run. And then you got to yep. fix all the syntax errors and then you run it. And then the logic doesn't work the way you'd expect. And I heard from a computer science teacher that they had an issue with that because they had some new programmers in their class and they wanted to know the right way to do it. Right. So they're looking at the book and looking at the assignment and saying, so what's the right way to do this? No, no, that's the, that's, what you're that's supposed to figure out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You've got to start this and figure out the right way to do it. And if yep. you don't do it right, that is right. That's the process that you got to go through to yeah. get there. And that's well, life. It's life, man. What a great skill to learn early. And, you know, I, well, it's interesting. You So you mentioned a, uh, maybe a gender gap. I think generally right now we do see a gender gap just in the amount of males that are attracted to technical fields and engineering Mm -hmm. as opposed to females. But I would say that in academia, you have 
generally it's more females in academia than males. So more, more women go to college than guys go to college just right. across the board. Right. And there, there is kind of this gap in uh, the, the academic sphere. Mm-hmm. So females right now generally are going, are, are having more success in, in that arena. Um, of course, as such a generalization. Um, right. But what I see then in my classes is I often see the ladies step up and they they have this success in academia. Maybe it's a technical field, but they they're you know they feel confident that hey I can figure it out and you know I've I've been considered smart my entire life and so I can just go tackle it. And then I have these guys come in and they sometimes feel like you know I haven't always been the smartest person, so they kind of take a back seat. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting. So I, I've kind of seen seen it happen a, a little bit both ways. And um, in in elementary school through high school, generally the I would guess the girls have better grades. I think so. I think that's what I'm saying. Most yeah. Of what I'm and to so say. then they then they're set when they go in, into college. They have a confidence. They have a yeah. confidence. I think that a lot of guys don't don't have. Right. Because uh, they weren't you know top of their class or whatever. Right. And it is, it can be concerning if if people look at all these things getting automated and think if I'm not educated, what am I going to do? Yes. I, I mean, I feel like it's going to the economy will work out. We'll find things. People will find things to do. It'll be tough. Um, yeah. But without an education, if you're a manual laborer, a lot of that's getting automated pretty quickly. Yeah. Is that something that folks should be concerned about? Uh, I mean, if, if one of the issues with homeschooling that we've seen is that there's not a lot of uh, technology. There's not a lot of math, science, the STEM stuff. There's a lot of arts and there's a lot of language and so like there was no computer science classes for homeschoolers that I could find um, locally in co-ops and things like that. And so that I thought that's where we're missing out because that's where if somebody is skilled in that in particular, they should be given those opportunities. And then it's not hard to at least be familiarize yourself with technology so that as things change, you're able to adapt to it. Um, but but I, I think we can't predict what new jobs would show up. So yes. you know that there's going to be technology jobs, but then there may be like some of the local uh, businesses are booming now because they're offering kind of these boutique services yes. that have nothing to do with technology. They're doing um, essential oils and they're, they're doing farming or they're offering classes. There's people here locally that offer classes on backyard chickens and beekeeping and they're making money doing it. So I mean, there's just, who knows, man, I have. So, oh my goodness. Let me wait till he stops barking. Can you hear it in there? Yeah. But it's in the background. Dude, I hear, on, I hear on podcasts all the time. Now people's dogs barking. Really? Yeah. I don't even know he's barking at though. I don't even see the bus. Barking. Yeah. It was like a truck that rolled by. Hmm. They're building four, four new houses in our neighborhood. Wow. Um, yeah, they, there's a, a bunch of like open land around and unfortunately, um, or fortunately, I don't know, like there's, it's in the very, very back of the neighborhood. So they have to, the trucks have to roll through the entire neighborhood. It's like a mile from the front of the neighborhood to get back there. Uh, so they've been rolling by our house. I, everyone in the neighborhood's been out of shape. If you get on the, the social media neighborhood site, Right. Everybody's, you know, been so upset. I think I was telling you about this. They went back there and they tore up all the signs. What? So they, no, <laughs> they I had didn't like, know that. They had lot signs, like these lots for sale. And right. someone went back there twice 
and just rip them apart. Because they want somebody seeing the sign. Of I don't know. Just angry, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just like karate chopped them to death. We've got to do something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what it is. Yeah. But so, I'm thinking... I'm that's like what you think about protesting is that to me it is not all that useful of a but but it releases you're allowed to release some of your frustration maybe that's what these people are doing well and i think it creates a bad optic for politicians if there's a constant protest in front of their office or something like that mm-hmm. so i think it it does help to some degree for your your cause i just don't personally get into it right you now i i think that there's a there's a certain energy that comes with protesting. Yes. You know, and, and so people, they, they kind of get off on it. They get yeah, excited. Yeah, like, you get a group go, of like-minded people together. Right, get all angry Feed off together. each other. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's fun. And go it's storm fun. the Capitol. That's right. Hey. People, get, people get excited. They have fun with it. And so I feel like sometimes it moves from this kind of decent intention of, hey, we're going to make some positive change to just this hype, right? you know, situation where we're just all hyped up together. So did your neighborhood thing escalate any beyond that? <laughs> no people uh, pit- picketing out in front of the no but the the what was funny is we went back there to check the lots out yesterday and i yeah. noticed that the company that owns the lot lot instead of buying a new sign they just like piecemealed the broken <laughs> sign together right. <laughs> so it's like they're anticipating it getting trashed again so right. they just kind of like it's this janky looking you know for sale sign that's set up back there with like a you know a little map of the lot <laughs> the in that case mission accomplished for that guy that went back there and, dude well done you gotta funny. draw a mustache on the map and you yeah <laughs> but so you were you were talking about you know, creating these little boutique businesses and Angie got her um, licensure to sell wild mushrooms recently. Yes. Yeah. And so it's awesome. My, she told me that you're, you, you kept trying to monetize her. Uh, I said, 100%. But I, but I don't think she said that the right way. I had all these plans, you know, I, I was already going to set up, you know, these classes where we go nature walks and we charge 25 bucks a pop, yes. you know, then we do these online classes, you know, I, and yes. I, we're going to make up little, you know, flyers and, and then little pamphlets. Saying. Dude, I had the whole thing mapped out. And at some point it came to a head because she's like, I don't want to do that. She was like, that's you. She was like, you don't mind getting up in front of people and talking. She's like, that terrifies me. And I said, hey, that's okay. I'll do the talking. (laughs) You'll just be the one with the certification. And (laughs) she was, she went about it. So I don't know. She, she has a little bit of the imposter syndrome with it because she's like, who am I to be telling people like, and I'm like, you're the, you're the expert. You passed the test. Like of this ridiculous grueling five-hour test that she had to take for this right. thing my mycelium something or other isn't yeah, that what they're was, called it was intense man and so i'm proud of it and i'm like yeah. hey, we can make some money on it but anyway we, we'll find some <laughs> stuff and it's it's mushroom season right now so we're we've been getting out trying to find some morels morels are what's popping right now nice and those are ones you can eat yeah you can eat them that's what that's what i would be concerned about and actually thinking about doing stuff with the beekeeping too is I don't want somebody to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, if you actually start a business and do any type of agricultural stuff, the insurance and the waivers and all that, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, the um, 
there is a certain amount of liability insurance they encourage you to hold if you're selling mushrooms. Right. But the more that we've gotten into it and the more knowledge she has about it, the less scared we are about eating the wrong thing. There, there are really only a few mushrooms that are um, native here that mm-hmm. are deadly. Mm-hmm. Most of the ones that are not safe will just cause indigestion. You know, right. they might give you a stomach ache, you know. Right. Which but, McDonald's does too. So. Yeah, yeah. McDonald's probably way worse. <laughs> so, hey, I, so I've come up with uh, a handful of articles that I thought were interesting to talk about today. Let's go. So um, this, this headline um, was from this week and it says, monkeys thought to have escaped private collection on loose in Cincinnati. No. Alarmed residents spotted monkeys late on Wednesday night. They were seen swinging from trees in the city graveyard. <laughs> in the graveyard. <laughs> so this is funny. That's at, awesome. at least five monkeys are on the loose in Cincinnati after being spotted swinging from trees in a graveyard in the Ohio City's West Side neighborhood. Uh, so some neighbors called the police. The police say we're evaluating the situation to see if there's anything we can do, anything we can do. Nothing could be done in the dark. So when I read that, I thought, no, that's the time to grab the monkeys. At, at night when they're don't, sleeping or whatever. Don't you think that that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. It feels like they're when they're at night. Incompetent. Are monkeys, are monkeys uh, nocturnal? I don't think so. Right. They're, I don't know. Like I think us, they'd be so. like us. Yeah. Yeah. Or we're like them if you're evolutionary. But this, so this whole thing got me thinking about these, you know, private exotic animal collections. So that, they didn't even say a pet or pets. It said a monkey collection. Collection. So that's, right? that's like Monkey King. The yeah. new Netflix, <laughs> yeah. Netflix what, series. Do you, can you wrap your mind around, you know, collecting exotic animals? Does that, is there anything in there that sounds enticing or interesting to you? Like I can't even comprehend why people do that yeah i can't either really yeah i, I guess the uh any like anything that's rare it's neat to have you think it's like just a like rare painting or you get attention from other people they think it's kind of interesting like oh you have a monkey yeah. that's uh, so why why this interesting question is why do we collect things that aren't really that useful mm. is it is the reason like you just said so you can show everybody else that you have this neat thing and kind of get some pride and brag about the fact that you have it. Or um, if you have some nice artwork or a monkey collection, you enjoy spending time with the monkeys. It's probably twofold, right? Wow. It's probably twofold. But uh, monkeys so, will kill you, man. Th- exactly, right? They're going to bite your fingers off and yes. stuff like that. So, the Angie and the kids, they like watching um, Instagram reels and, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. And there are many of these viral TikTok Instagram reel videos of people with exotic animals and monkeys yeah. like running around in diapers. And I'm like, man, these people, that's just a, we, we went to a, uh, um, an Airbnb like experience a couple of years ago, which was at a, at a, they said a petting zoo. Well, when we got there, we found out that it was one of these like private collections. Got so it. it was a lady that had, you know, <clears throat> wild foxes. She had, um, you know, what are those little caracara? Uh, what are those little rodents? Or the big rodents actually from South America? Like a No, oh, I don't know. 
monitor lizards and iguanas. And stuff. No, no, a uh, rodent, a rodent. Oh, a rodent, a kooka bear. Big, kooka yeah, what is it called? <laughs> R-O-U-S. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the name, Cacabara or something like that. Anyway, they had you know, a couple of those. They had like ostriches and stuff. Those are native to here. I can't think of what they're called either. Oh, okay. Are they really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. The cool part was, you know, when we got there, the kids were kind of into looking at the animals. And then as we're, as we're, you know, head to bed that night, Angie and I both just got like this, this bad feeling about it. Right. Man, these wild animals are pinned up in this space, in these little spaces. And this is is weird. So did Carol Baskins give you your money back for the uh, experience? We ended up. We end up letting out a free, like we let five monkeys free. <laughs> <laughs> That's an odd thing, man. That's it's just not something I'm into. Dude, I, my my kids are monkey and animal enough. Like they they could barely, you know. Ava is 19 years old and she can't get but maybe 70 percent of the food in her mouth when she's eating. The rest <laughs> of it right. goes. Was all over the place trying to get Davin to shower more than once a week. It's it's animal kingdom, you know, every day in this house. I don't, well, I don't need to add to it, especially with monkeys. It's almost like having a kid. Yeah, you know, you're, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a kid and not even not even a teenager that can take care of themselves. You know, this is something that requires, you know, much more attention. It's like having a toddler forever. Right. <laughs> like 20 years. <laughs> I really enjoyed all the phases of life of the kids, but I yes. enjoyed the next one. Even yes, more. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all, right, all right. I got another headline here for you. All right. Ketchup shortage hits restaurants across the United uh, States. Yeah, I've heard of this. So this is from April 6th. And the crux of this is that ketchup packets are simply the latest shortage in the wake of the pandemic. It started with everyone running out to buy toilet paper at the beginning of the lockdown. Meat shortages soon ran rampant and home bakers also bought up flour and yeast in droves. Yeah. So now they're talking about ketchup packets. So because of something in the supply line of making the packet. And the demand of of all the um, dining out or, um, you know, delivery delivery yeah. and not have you thought about how much waste we're creating with all of this the safety precautions that we've had to take because when we were going out to eat for a while and even when they deliver it's in styrofoam and plastic everything is we used to get served on like a real plate and then they go wash it now everything is plastic and styrofoam that's t- yeah that's what bad. i was trying to say is all the takeout yes you know is, is causing this shortage because they're giving out these little ketchup packets and the article also references how Heinz did uh, kind of this innovative ketchup packet that has the, the peel off dipper and yep. also the, the squeeze option. Which Chick-fil-A so, has. Right. So here's, here's my thought things. process. I hate them all. <laughs> like there, there's no ketchup packet to me that feels very efficient. You right. always end up with it feels like a quarter of the ketchup left over in the little nooks and crannies. It doesn't matter. Even if you have the whatever the little the, the plastic material is it's like you know when you rip it open there's ketchup on they're hard to the open lap. you 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 as you open it it squirts or gets all over the place gets all dude the chick-fil-a ones you can peel it back really easily you can't open it very easily because it has right. a little tip that you could open and i can't it's i'm like not even pla- sh- it's a hard plastic it's like a world's strongest man type of event <laughs> is what it should be because i can't 
<laughs> and your hands are all greasy it. from the food. So you're, they're <laughs> slick. You're, you're using your teeth yeah. to get and then it And I got my wife and kids watching me. So I can't, you know, I'm like <laughs> embarrassed that I can't do this. I got to perform. And how yeah. many times have you like literally squirted everywhere, made <laughs> yeah. a mess? It reminded me yesterday I was <laughs> drinking. I had I had just worked out and I had a, a like a lemonade in uh, in a cup and I took it in the car and I set it down as I was getting in and then I knocked the entire thing into the seat. Oh, oh it's such a bummer. Yes, I hate it's that. Such a bummer. So somebody invented a new similar to ketchup uh, package is toothpaste. Right, uh, those people okay. have tried to come with pump toothpaste and different things, but those tubes you oh, can never you. get. You can never get everything out of the tube. Yeah. So I saw an ad somewhere for a little uh, pellet. It's a it's a toothpaste pellet, and you pop the pellet in your mouth and chew it a little bit and then brush. Ah, is it? Do you have to spit it out though, or you, yeah? And then you spit it out. It's, it's just like toothpaste, but uh-huh. it's just a little bit more solid, so you can have it in a pellet form. And you Interesting. Just don't pellet and pop that in. So I wonder if you could do something like that with ketchup. That sounds you could like pop a little ketchup pellet and then eat a fry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that because I like kind of squirting a little bit on the fry. I don't like the waste. Dude, there's so Me much too. ketchup waste. Imagine all the ketchup waste. First of all, you have the packet. So you have a quarter of the ketchup stuck in the packet. You squirt it out on your plate or whatever. And as you it's all sit know, on the plate, it's all sit on the plate, getting in the corners that. of the plate. You know, you so gotta, I do the same thing and my man, kids always make fun of me. Yeah. I, squ- I put the ketchup on each individual fry. Yeah. On each fry and then eat it. Hash brown, fry, whatever. Because yeah, I maybe it is because of the waste. That could be why. And the other thing I don't like is if you take the ketchup, the old school ketchup packet, and you rip the top, do you just rip it like that and just make a seam, or do you rip a corner off? Well, that's what I was saying earlier. There's su- there's such a mess, right? Because oftentimes the the corner rip is impossible. You know, just uh, the way that it's perforated, it comes with the little the little ridges on the top. So a rip straight down is an easier option for you. But then again, right. you have this mess. It's a mess. It it's a mess, a mess everywhere. And it doesn't yeah, come yeah. out cleanly. Uh, no, it's I like a, to make a little wreck. tiny corner rip. If you get that tiny corner rip and it comes out in a little stream just perfectly, that's yes. like, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's what we want. We got to get some more smart people on this. So I, my thought is this, this headline means nothing to me. I'm glad there's a ketchup <laughs> shortage of these packets across the country. I think that's, you know, good riddance. And what do you think about reusing a ketchup packet that hasn't been used? Like you go and you grab a handful and you eat it and then you don't use them all. It's we used it's to put those back or did it always just get thrown away? But now with like the coronavirus, I guess you've got to. you got to hold on to them. Yeah. Or hold them, save them for later. Save them. So, How many packets have you saved that you've actually used? So my family uh, will save specifically, you know, like Polynesian from yes. Chick-fil-A. You know, yes. we have stacks of that stuff sitting around <laughs> and it eats away at its container yes. after a couple of weeks. And so twice, like acid. twice over the past year, I have gone into one of the drawers in the kitchen only to find oh. Polynesian oh, dripped no. all over the oh. stuff in the drawer. <laughs> That's horrible. It's horrible. I think we had one explode because it overheated in the van. It was like sat in the heat and then sat, it was just sitting in one of like the cup holders in the back. It just combusted from it's the a science experiment. Everywhere. It's a corn syrup science experiment oh, back there. Man. This is what happened. Evan's favorite thing. Whenever I asked him when he did something crazy, I'm like, why'd you do that? 
who would I say? Because I wanted to see what would happen. Yeah. So, science. Science. And then he'd say, he'd say science. <laughs> can't, can't discipline him for that. He's doing science. <laughs> doing the Lord's work. <laughs> so if All there's right. a catch, if it's because of the packets, is there also a mayonnaise and mustard packet shortage? They didn't mention that. No, they mentioned ketchup. I think mm-hmm. mayonnaise and mustard are, you know, they're the ugly step child, you know. The, so wait, we can't stop talking about this yet. Because what about the places where you get the little cup and you squirt it into the cup? <laughs> yeah. and then dip Same difference. Up? There's still a lot of waste in those cups. So How many times waste. have you been rolling the cups or you, you squeeze the little paper cup? <laughs> have you ever you squeezed go? the cup? To get oh, the, yeah. You yeah, try to get the last inkling of ketchup out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Those are gross, though, man. You always have a little hardened ketchup hanging from the tip of the the pump. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder with coronavirus, if those are gone by the wayside. Yeah, they can't be sanitary. Although, did you see the CDC is saying that the virus isn't going to spread on surfaces, really? Mm. It's, it's It's the air. It's water droplets and aerosol. So all of that spraying and wiping that we've been doing for... They're actually saying now, like you talk about the shortage of packets, that there's going to be a surplus of Clorox wipes and hand sanitizer because they've made so much. And now we're finding it's not really needed anymore. Well, I think the one exception is, um, you know, public ketchup use. (laughs) I think they (laughs) I think we have found the virus does spread through communal ketchup pumps. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if you double dip, if you double dip your fry, that's probably not good. I mean, double dipping in the fam's fine, I guess, but maybe it'd be better and- to have a big cup instead of the little tiny cups. And then just take the big, fill it up with like 20 pumps on that communal thing. And then sit that at your table and you all share from the, the family shares from the big cup. I'm sure that they have done studies at these restaurants, these fast food places to optimize their ketchup expenditure. You use the little tiny cups because then people are less likely to make 20 trips, you know, so they'll use less ketchup, right? Hey, man, I foil them because I can carry like 12 of those. (laughs) Me too. I've had like one between every finger. So it's like I've got eight, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can't let the man hold me down. I'm going to get my ketchup. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I I got another headline here. Um, I think the environment has been been right for this type of thing. Uh, So the headline is a metal band made up of cats has dropped its first single for charity. A a heavy metal band, like a A heavy metal band band made of cats. And it's called Catera. You know, it's like a playoff of Pantera. Yeah. And so the the. track here is called hunger of the beast hunger of the beast and i think i could play it for you so here here let me let you get a taste of this metal band made of a cat so see if you can hear because i can record it and so you know the audience will be able to hear it the audience however many people uncle jerry can hear it (laughs) so here it is here it is <laughs> Sounds like they're wounding the cats to you know, make those sounds. So, so, so are the cats playing the instruments? No. <laughs> Somebody sampled like some meows into a heavy metal band. But it's just, uh, like, just so ridiculous. 
It was so ridiculous, but it's so great that there's like an article about it. And there's, you know, someone just, I, I love these ridiculous kind of creative things people coming up with and, you know, with the guy that takes the sermons or the political speeches and puts heavy metal music. Yeah, over. man. I love that those kind awesome, of things. And it's, you know, you got this, this cat that has no idea what they're doing. And this person's created this whole persona for the cat. His just picture is, the guy holding the cat in front of the mic. Yeah. And <laughs> squeezing him every once in a while. <laughs> you squeeze him a little. It's so funny, man. So I, I love that kind of stuff. And it just gives me like hope for the American dream. That is really the epitome of the American dream right there. You have an idea, something that you think is interesting. You find an audience for it. This right. is what I'm always telling my students. I'm like, look, with the internet, there's no excuse you can't find a thousand people interested in what you're doing. I don't care right. what it is. Right. Like, there's no excuse for this podcast that we can't find. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Leanne. So three, three listeners. Um, so, so the Amazon warehouse worker, when they lose their job um, because they put robots in there to you know, move all the packages around in the warehouse that he or she can do turtle pop and oh. gets turtles out there dropping ping pong balls on them. Yes. Different sounds. And yes, you know, you, you're going to make some music. money. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag art, which actually if we're not doing, trying to survive, art could be where a lot of people go. Right. Well, I mean, that, like people are paying millions for digital art. So. It brings up a whole nother question about universal income, which is interesting because I heard recently that when we make adjustments for inflation, that the gap between the poor and the rich is is more narrow than it was than it's been, you know, in the last 50 years that yes. we're actually a more socioeconomically. There's like, more balanced. Yes, there's more balanced than, than than there was years ago. Even though the rhetoric that you hear from is that there's this the media is that there's yeah exactly. Excuse me, pay gap. Yeah, yeah, and I, they people will cherry pick numbers all the time in, in politics and economics to try and make their point. But yeah, but man, a heavy metal cat band. That's interesting. Stuff. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's fun news. <laughs> the thing about that is, this, uh, remember the Christmas, uh, the barking dogs doing the Christmas songs? Oh, yeah. Doing two Jingle Bells, I think, was probably the, the, the big hit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can listen to those types of things for about 20 seconds. Right. <laughs> Same with that cat thing. And I'm like, all right, all right that's, that's pretty funny. And now right, I'm ready yeah, for yeah, the yeah. next thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, You can listen to it a little bit longer than you can those educational YouTube videos you're talking about. Yes, exactly. And there was a guy who got, he got jazz musicians together in the studio. Yeah. And then he played piano with them. He's not a he, piano player. He doesn't even know how to play piano. <laughs> yeah. And I listened to that for a couple of minutes. I was like, dude, this is great. This is great. But again, I, I couldn't listen to the whole album. I was like, right. ah. it was hilarious though. It was hilarious. And it, it made a, a medium, point. I forget. Yeah. I forget who, who it was, but yeah, that's a, what a great little thing. What a great idea. What a great bit. Well, man, I'm going to have to run. All right. It was good. It was good. So, hey, we have a Facebook page at least. Oh, cool. So if people right, are good. listening and want to like tell us how dumb we are, they could go on yeah. to Brother to Brother podcast on Facebook. Yeah, we're open up. to corrections, comments, and snide remarks. Definitely. 
if you can mock us in some way, that'd be appreciated. Yeah. Okay. All right, brother. All right, brother. All right, fun. Yep. Later. Bye bye.